Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. Know that it's not by our talents or our might or our ability, but it's His great work of grace in our lives. Now, God not only Not only did this demonstrate His gracious covenant, He was saying to Abram, Remember, Abram, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you a posterity. But remember, it's all grace. It's all me. It's all God working in you. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see. You're changing our lives so we can be our heads and The fact is, all of our talents, ambitions, dreams, and goals were given to us by God. He made each of us uniquely so that we would have different interests and skills. Pastor Ed reminds us today that we are to remember this and take to heart that all of our achievements are through God. This is important in that it will prevent us from thinking that we are above anyone else or that we are in any way equal to God. God has graced us with skills and interests, and He graced us with Christ. Use your skills to serve Him. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message. Have you ever come to church and said, Oh God, you got to give me a word today. Well, that's where Abram was. God spoke to him many times. But this is the only time we find that he says to God, God, you got to give me a sign. you got to show me and speak to me. Now, it, it wasn't unbelief. No, it was more like that man who in the New Testament, in the ninth chapter of the Gospel of St. Mark, said, Lord, I, I believe. Help my unbelief. Have you ever been there where a part of you really believes? And there's another part of you that says, oh, God, I'm struggling to believe. Help me to have faith. Well, that's where Abram was. And I'd like to read to you from the 15th chapter, a number of verses. And keep your Bibles open to chapter 15 of Genesis, because we'll refer to it. Verse 6, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the earl of the Chaldeans to give you this land, to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? Lord, will you give me a sign? Will you show me in some way that your word will be fulfilled in my life? That's where Abram was. God showed him, and he showed him far more than he ever expected to see. God showed him that his covenant with men is a covenant of grace. It's a covenant of mercy. And he gave him a revelation of that covenant. Look at verse 7. I am the Lord who brought you out of the Earl of the Chaldeans. What God is saying there, I am Jehovah. I am the God who keeps my promises. And he's reminding Abram at this point, 
Abram, I was the one who pursued you in the era of Chaldeus. God is always coming after us. It's not us eagerly seeking God. The story sometimes has that written into it. But often that's God moving upon us to seek him. More often the story can be written God pursuing us. It was true with our first parents in the Garden of Eden when God pursued them after they had sinned. It's true again and again throughout Scripture. When God was looking for a man, he found him in the era of Chaldeans worshiping idols. And God began to work and to move and to draw him to himself. The Jewish religion and the Christian faith is a religion, the primary fact of their religion was not their rising to God in prayer and praise, but God coming down to them in grace and mercy. God demonstrated in this covenant that he was coming after Abram. He was coming after him. He was pursuing him. God's grace was demonstrated through the covenant. Look at verse 7. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you up out of the Earl of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. Everything that Abram was, everything that he became was a direct result of God working in his life. Everything he had, his great name that would bless generations to come, his Walk of faith, his journey of faith, his influence was all a gift from God. Every talent you have, every ability, whether it's in art, whether it's in business, whether it's in education, whatever it may be, is a God-given, God-granted talent. God can give you a ministry that you could never achieve in yourself. Underline that for a moment in your mind and heart. God can give you a ministry, an influence, that you could never achieve in and of yourself. Abram could have never fathered all of those people. He could have never been a blessing to countless millions of people down through the ages of history. It was God working in Abram. And if God is working in you, incredible things can come out of your life. And that's what God was doing in Abram. God was telling him, this covenant is a covenant of grace I am making with you. It's not because, Abram, you're better than anybody else. Listen to what God said in the book of Isaiah, the 51st chapter. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abram, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. When I called him, he was but one, and I blessed him and made him many. God was saying, remember where you came from. Paul said it this way, not many of you are of noble birth. 
Not many of you have great pedigree behind your name. See, God reaches down and he desires to take earthen vessels and make them something special. He takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things with them because God wants to get the glory and the honor and the praise and he wants us to know it. Know that it's not by our talents or our might or our ability, but it's his great work of grace in our lives. Now, God not only, not only did this demonstrate his gracious covenant, he was saying to Abram, remember, Abram, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you a posterity. But remember, it's all grace. It's all me. It's all God working in you. That's what God was saying. Verse 18 of chapter 15, you see God's grace initiated and sustained the covenant. That was true in Abram's life. That's true in your life. It says, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, now think about the covenant that he made. It sounds a little peculiar. He says to Abram, go get these animals slay them, and put them out on the altars. And so he does that. Now, what that is, that was a sign of a covenant, a contract, an agreement. Today, we go to lawyers, and we sign numerous papers and make copies of them. You know, we have some type of formal way of entering into a contract. Back then, this was God initiating And forming a contract. But notice this. The custom of that day was that the two people having the contract together would join hands and they would walk through these slain animals between these altars. And when they walked through the animals, what they were saying was this. Anyone who breaks the covenant, he will be suffering the same plight that these dead animals suffered. Now, does Abram walk through it? No, he doesn't. God moves through it himself with this torch that's burning, with this smoking furnace that's heated up and burning. God moves through that covenant, and Abram stands passively by as God moves through it. God was saying, Abram, the covenant is more on my part than your part. It's more my responsibility than your responsibility. We are saved by the great grace of God. The reason we could stand with boldness before the throne of grace is because we stand in the shoes of Jesus. He stood in our shoes when he stood at Mount Calvary and gave his life an atonement for our sins. Because he stood in our shoes and took our suffering, our judgment, our punishment. We could stand in his shoes with confidence before God, knowing that we're accepted of the Father. There he is. God speaks to him and says, Abram, I'm responsible for this covenant. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Verses 7 to 8. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath. He swore to your forefathers that brought you out of the 
with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. You are saved. You were chosen by God, set apart by God, not because you met a certain criteria of qualifications, not because you were better than your neighbor, but God, with love, with favor, looked down on you and said, I love them. See, it's in God, not so much in us. Now, if it had been in you a long time ago, you would have lost your way. A long time ago, you would have faltered and failed. How many times have you wandered away? And God, with a gracious arm, has brought you back. How many times is your story retold in the story of the lost coin and the lost sheep? The lost sheep could not find his way back to the fold. The lost coin could not find itself. It was the owner that pursued and looked and found it. And so it is with God in our lives. The covenant is so much more on God's part. It's a covenant of grace, a covenant we don't deserve. In Genesis fifteen seventeen, it says, When the sun had set, the darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. That spoke, one of the things that that was symbolic of was the presence of God. His holiness. Remember when God appeared to Moses in the wilderness in the burning bush? He said, take off your shoes. The ground that you stand is holy ground. Remember when he appeared at Mount Sinai? The earth quaked, the lightning flashed, the fire, as it were, burnt. It spoke of God's holiness. So God in his holiness passed through and he's saying, I am committing myself to keep my end of the bargain. I am committing myself to my word. Listen, you can count on God keeping his promise. You could count on God keeping his word. When he passed through that, he was saying to Abraham, you want a sign, Abraham? I'll give you a sign. You know the covenants that people agree to? Well, I am committing myself to this. This is an unconditional promise that I'm going to keep, Abram. I'm going to be with you and multiply your seed and you will be a blessing to generations to come. All men who live with any degree of serenity live by some assurance of grace. If you live your Christian life on the basis of your good works, you will live on a roller coaster. If you live your Christian life on the basis of what you can do for God, you will find yourself becoming a Pharisee and you will slip into deception, self-deception, thinking that you stand on the good works of the past and that makes you acceptable to God. If you're going to have any serenity in the Christian life, it must be based on one thing and one thing alone, the grace of God that saves you, the favor of God that's poured out on you, favor that you could never earn, favor that you could never deserve, favor that you could never obtain in any way except that God himself looked and said, I'm going to love you unconditionally in Jesus, my son. Hallelujah.
Now the covenant is not only God's manifestation of grace, but we are allowed to have a part in it. Look with me at that part that we have. We have the responsibility of the covenant. It's found in verse 6. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abram believed. God, you're speaking, and I believe you. God, you said it, and that settles it. God, you've revealed yourself, and that's enough for me. Augustine said, For grace is given not because we have done good works, but in order that we may be able to do them. When we're saved and God gives us his favor, and when God blesses us in the Christian life, understand it's not because you have enough brownie points and you've earned enough credits in heaven. No, no, it's always the grace of God. Now, grace is given to us so that we might do good works. In other words, we look and say, God, you have blessed me so greatly. You have poured out your favor on my life. I want to serve you. I want to honor you. God, I want my life to be an echo back to you of your great love. I want my life to echo back your love for me. I want to express all that you've done in and for me by the way I live. So it's a response. Look at his responsibility. We are stewards. You see him as a steward of the promise. Verse 11, a curious verse. Then the birds of prey came down on the carcass, but Abram drove them away. Now, as I look at this text, I could understand these birds of prey coming down trying to devour these carcasses. But I find it very interesting that the gods of Egypt, and one of the uh, worshipped gods in Egypt was this bird of prey that would devour the flesh. And here is Abram, and he's beating away these birds that are trying to devour the covenant, the offering. I'd like at this point to make an application and look at the things in our lives that try and to devour the promises from our lives. Jesus told a parable in the New Testament about the sower and the seed. He would sow the seed and some fell on that hard ground and the birds of prey came and took those seeds and the seeds never took root in someone's life. How often the enemy will come and try and take the promises out of your heart, the word out of your life. See, it's by hearing the word that we grow in our faith. It's by hearing that we grow in our belief. And the enemy doesn't want you to meditate, nor does he want you to hear. There are things that will come and try and distract you and devour that time with you and God that will try and take you out of the book and the book out of you. So as I look at this passage of Scripture, I know that he was fighting literal birds, but in this chapter, there's a lot of symbolism. You're going to see it as we go on in it. Uh, In verse 12b, it says, A thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Now, I think part of that was this. He was experiencing what God showed him his descendants would experience. 
If you look at the Bible text, it tells us that they were going to go through years of slavery. They were going to be oppressed in a foreign nation. He showed them, or God showed Abram 400 years into the future and said, your descendants would spend time in Egypt. They would become slaves. They would be oppressed. Now, remember, we had talked about the previous week how Abram had defeated the kings that came in against the uh, land of Canaan. He had rescued his nephew Lot. And after that, he was somewhat depressed. He became fearful. And then God came and said, don't be afraid, Abram. And God comforted him. Now, maybe Abram is still contemplating suffering, but God is refocusing his attention to think about the suffering of others. He's going to be thinking about the suffering of his descendants, this darkness that he sees. A lot of times in the charismatic Pentecostal church, we are in great air of not having a theology of suffering. We have made the mistake of thinking we've arrived in heaven and we can have heaven on earth today. Now, we do get glimpses of it. God does show us now and then what is to be. There are times where the power of God is so evident in our service that people are slain in the spirit. Their physical bodies can't really cope with the glory of God that they're experiencing. And they get this glimmer, as it were, when heaven touches earth. There are times that we see supernatural miracles where people are raised from the dead. And God raises the dead. But even when he raised Lazarus from the dead, Lazarus would someday have to die again. We need in this present world a theology of suffering. We need a theology of the supernatural of healing. But that theology of healing does not exclude and does not erase the fact that in this present world we'll experience suffering. Listen to the words found in Isaiah 48.10. God speaking to the Israelites before they go into Babylonian captivity through Isaiah the prophet. See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Some believe that that furnace that passed through symbolized God's refining process in people's lives. Where in the biblical times, they would take a furnace and they would heat metal. And all of the impurities would rise to the top. And then uh, the person would skim off all those impurities from the top. And they would know it was completed, it was finished, when they could see their reflection in the gold or the silver. And they would know the metal is then pure. Well, God allows us to go through that refining process until he could see the image of his son in our lives. Until he could see Christ formed in us. He said to the people of Israel, I'm refining you. Why this captivity? Now, Isaiah is speaking 
to the Jewish people before they ever go to Babylon, before they ever go into captivity. That's why liberals, when they come to Isaiah chapter 40, try and separate the book and say, this is first Isaiah, this is second Isaiah. Because how could Isaiah speak to a people and a community that he was not with? No, God spoke prophetically through him to a future generation. And God is saying, the reason that you're going through these trials, part of it is that I'm refining you. We're so glad you joined us again today as Dr. Ed Jones has been taking us through the life of Abraham. Have you found these messages encouraging, challenging, or faith-building? Would you like to share them with your friends? You can find copies of this series and many others from Pastor Ed online at buildinginfaithradio.com. While you're there, click on the Back to Home page link and check out the church behind the ministry of Building in Faith. Faith Assembly is located in Poughkeepsie, New York, and we'd love to see you at one of our weekend services. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. to learn more about what it means to be a Christ follower and to worship God together. This faith setting is a great place to get your questions answered and have deeper discussions in the Word and to build a support network of your brothers and sisters in Christ. You'll be able to find out more about the people and ministries of Faith Assembly by giving us a call at 845-462-5955. We pray continually for our listeners and love it when we get to hear from them. If you ever have any specific requests we can join you in praying for, please don't hesitate to call. Once again, that number is 845-462-5955. That's all we have time for today, but be sure to join us again next time as Dr. Ed Jones continues through the life of Abraham right here on Building in Faith. Your word restores.